it's hard to imagine life without electricity. But would you believe at one time it was predicted that it would simply be a fad? Same goes with the automobile, telephone, television, radio, and believe it or not, computers. They were all predicted to be fads. Uh, Again, it's hard to imagine life without any of these. And it's funny to us today to look back, um, again, especially with electricity, but in the context of the 19th century, it just didn't seem practical. I mean, they just didn't even have the infrastructure in place. And so it's kind of um, it's kind of funny to look back and laugh at some of these. There was one, though, that uh, I actually had to look up. I, I thought it might have just been an urban legend, uh, but it was true. I did I did find the uh, the article in the original interview, and it was Steve Ballmer with Microsoft, who's the CEO of Microsoft, And he made a prediction way back, well, I guess not that far back, in 2007. And he said, quote, there's no chance the iPhone will ever get any significant market share. No chance. And of course, we know the iPhone has come to dominate the market. Uh, It, however, is a far cry from that original 2007 phone. I remember having it. It was like a brick compared to uh, the 10s that I have now. Um, and Steve Ballmer does go on in the interview to explain uh, why it, it wasn't practical, why it didn't, uh, wouldn't catch on. Uh, it, it was an interesting uh, article, but the prediction, however, is the part that uh, we will remember. And it's simply that uh, the iPhone will not catch on. It'll just be a fad. Well, in this episode of Real Estate for the Rest of Us, we're going to talk about some real estate predictions. And I'm going to explain why I do not prognosticate on the market. And in pro tips, we know that the home inspection offers us critical insight as to any potential problems with the home. But did you know that there's a report you can get that will actually shed some light on the history of the house that won't come up during a home inspection? And the best part is it's usually free. It's all coming up on Real Estate for the Rest of Us. but quite impossible. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Mike Duran. And today we are talking about predictions. If you were listening to uh, one of the earlier podcasts, you might recall that I predicted the Golden Knights would be playing for the Stanley Cup for the second year in a row. What I did not anticipate was that the officials would start making up the rules as they went along. Kind of got hosed in uh, Game 7 against the Sharks, but... Uh, In any case, I don't think anybody would have predicted the St. Louis Blues, who were in last place in January, would be just uh, four games away from uh, hoisting the cup for the very first time. So good luck to St. Louis. Good luck to the Boston Bruins. Looking forward to some great playoff hockey. In this episode, I want to talk about uh, predicting the market, or more specifically, why I don't predict the market and why I think it's a bad idea to try and predict the market. But before we look to the future, we got to look at the past. And I want to take you back just a couple of years to 2012, uh, actually the fall of 2012. And at the time, I was working for a very large brokerage. It was the largest brokerage in Nevada. And my broker, my then broker, uh, always encouraged us to, uh, to work in the bullpen. If you're not familiar with the term bullpen, uh, all it is is uh, just a collection of cubicles. It's just, you know, it's just a separate room has a whole bunch of cubicles. They have workstations where, as an agent, you could go and, um, and and work from there. But they encouraged that so you could talk to the other agents that were there in the office, and it was a way of networking that we don't that we to this day still don't get. 
from uh, any social media or any apps or anything like that. The problem that I had with going working from the bullpen is that I was actually far more productive just working from my desk at home. Um, but the other problem that I had with it is there wasn't a whole lot of networking going on per se, and it was more a whole lot of complaining. And for context, in 2012, the real estate market um, was not doing great. The economy was starting to recover, but the real estate market was still feeling the ripple effects from uh, when the bubble had burst in 2006. There was a lot of pessimism all the way around. Uh, real estate just wasn't a happy place to be back then. And in 2012, the majority locally here in Vegas, the majority of the transactions we were doing, and I'm talking like 75% of the transactions we were doing were either short sales or they were foreclosures uh, or to lump them all together, they were distressed properties. Uh, it, it took about uh, 18 months for that to flip around the other way uh, to where it was you know, more traditional sales than it was distressed properties. But at the time we were doing primarily distressed sales and in a short sale, nobody's happy. I, you know, it sucks for the seller. They're losing their home. Um, you know, their credit's going to be wrecked for the next seven years. Uh, it's not great for the agent. We're, you know, we're dealing with people who aren't, um, who are in a bad situation. The, the lien holders aren't happy. They're getting yelled at all the time. And, you know, it just, nobody's really happy. Even the buyers know that they're, um, you know, going to benefit off of somebody else's bad fortune. So, Short sales suck. I would just let's just put it out there. Short sales suck, and you know, it, and a foreclosure is not any better. I mean, somebody's losing their home in you know in the worst possible way, and I I just it was heartbreaking because you know that this was oftentimes someone's dream. I mean, they're not just losing their investment. Uh, you know, the, this easily could have been their their dream home that was um, going back to the bank. So, in the context of 2012, a lot of pessimism, not a lot of. Um, not a lot of bright outlooks, uh, if you will. We also had a presidential election in 2012, uh, if you recall. So it wasn't just a year of Olympics, it was a year of presidential elections. So back to my bullpen story. So here I am, uh, you know, working from this bullpen, uh, fall of 2012, and there's a narrative that's being passed around amongst agents. And um, at the time, there were a ton of uh, foreclosures. They had been going on, especially here in Nevada. Um, I think we led the country. I think we were duking out with Florida for uh, number one in the foreclosure market, but uh, it was pretty bad here. And in a foreclosure, the um, the home goes back to HUD, um, the, the Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development. So it goes back to the, the feds. They were the ones who insured the the loans in the, in the first place. So they end up um, in their possession. They become the owners. Uh, well, the federal government is not in the business of uh, owning homes. They, they need to go back onto the market. So what they do is they will get together with, um, with a local real estate professional and they will market the home as they normally would uh, for anybody else, except that, you know, of course, we're dealing with the federal government. So there's certain HUD guidelines that you have to follow if you're going to purchase a HUD home. They're not going to repair anything for you. Um, there's some other thing. There's some other things. It's a whole nother podcast. That is unimportant. What is important is that HUD had a lot of these homes, and most of them were in really bad shape. Um, you know, people weren't happy that they were being foreclosed upon. They they were upset with banks. Um, it wasn't unusual for them to take all the appliances out of the home and just to gut the house. And you know, like I said, HUD 
they're not going to do it. They're not repairing the home. They're really not going to do anything with it. So the house was going to sell as is. So you had these homes that were coming, going to come back onto the market, not be in the best condition, uh, depending on the person, the owner that was foreclosed upon, you know, if they just left or if they left and they took things with them, if they damaged the property, if they sabotaged the property, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty amazing what was happening at the time. So there was a narrative going around amongst agents that HUD was hanging on to all of these homes. And after the election, that HUD would then um, put all the homes on the market. And so you would have a sudden glut of cheap homes coming onto the market. And if you had a traditional sale, if you were an agent with a listing with a traditional sale, that was going to hurt your comps. Um, it would... Uh, you know, you had these cheap homes that were coming onto the market. You're trying to sell in an already recovering market. And now you've got competition from all these cheap, crappy homes. And uh, so it was a very dire uh, prediction. And this got passed around. Now, if you know anything about the way HUD operates, um, it, the, this narrative is absolutely ridiculous. It, it makes no sense. And that's not how HUD works. Um, they're not, and they're not timing the market and they weren't good. You know, it was, it was a conspiracy theory. It was just, let's just put it out there. It was really stupid. Um, so I was working with, uh, some buyers at the time and I recall we were out on tour and one of them said this to me and he said, Hey, I heard that, um, that HUD is going to release all of these homes and, um, and they're going to flood the market with these cheap houses and the prices are going to drop. So maybe we should wait until then. And he heard it from an agent. That's, that was the, the, the part that was hard to swallow is these were real estate professionals who were, you know, kind of passing this information along like it's fact. And in fact, it wasn't. And like I said, if you know anything about HUD or how they operate, it, this was it only required minimal research and, and it would have just been absolutely ridiculous and easy to debunk. So the presidential election came and went, um, and lo and behold, HUD did not release um, any of these homes. They didn't flood the market with cheap houses. Um, none of that happened. So the narrative changed, and all of a sudden it was, okay, after the holidays, <laughs> after the holidays, HUD is going to flood the market with all these cheap homes, and you know they're going to release all these houses. Well, you know what? Merry Christmas. Uh, the holidays came and went, and you know HUD didn't HUD didn't flood the market with cheap homes. So the narrative changed once again. Again, people are still clinging to this. It makes no sense, and and people were still clinging to this that after the first of the year, HUD was going to release all of these houses, and um, and of course the first of the year came and went, and guess what? HUD didn't wreck the market. And, you know, and so again, in 2012, there was a lot of pessimism. I think it was easy for this one to catch fire and just kind of get passed around. But uh, if you just look, if you just took it at face value, it just, it made no sense. So what happened in 20, uh, so this was 2012 carrying over into 2013. So what happened in 2013? Well, a lot of uh, agents were trying to, you know, were making their predictions for the year. And they were saying, you know, that we were due for uh, a, a correction. And so, you know, the markets peaked. Prices had, had been, um, you know, kind of recovering from 2006. 
And um, and enough of the inventory had changed hands to where people that were going into foreclosure had already gone into foreclosure. People that were short selling had already been through the short sale process. So now we were back to having buyers in the market and people that had homes to sell. So prices were going to go up. And, uh, you know, get your house on the market. Now's the time to sell. Well, that narrative didn't change in 2014. And it was the narrative was, uh, hey, prices have peaked. And, you know, uh, and you need to keep in mind the bubble burst in 2006. So in 2014, eight years later, people are talking about bubble again. And the narrative was, um, this is the year prices have peaked. Now's the time to sell. Well, if you took that advice, um, I, that was bad advice. It actually was a great time to buy as prices were on the way up and they continued to rise, uh, not just locally here in Vegas, but also nationally. Prices continue to rise for the next five years. So up through 2018, 2019, at least locally, we've had a little bit, uh, uh, it's a softer market, um, if you will. Uh, nationally, prices are still up just slightly uh, over 2018, although um, depending on your market, there's um, either a little less or a little more inventory, uh, which, sorry, that's kind of a cop-out, isn't it? Um, depending on your market, there's either a little less or a little more inventory. Um, I, I, I hate using national statistics and then uh, conflating that with local stats. But uh, that said, the trend was generally up for the last, uh, the previous five years, uh, or excuse me, from 2013 through 2018, uh, the trend was generally up, uh, you know, regardless of which market you were in. So that brings us back to the why. Why do we continue to try and predict the market? Well, why do we continue to try and predict the stock market? Because nobody remembers when you're wrong. But when you're right, it's like, hey, that guy knows what he's talking about. He must be an expert. Uh, when you're wrong, no one remembers. Uh, just like no one remembers when HUD wrecked the market because they didn't wreck the market. Does anyone remember the guys that said that electricity was a fad? Of course not. We only remember Thomas Edison being a genius. So, uh, you know, take predictions with a grain of salt. Uh, they should be used for entertainment purposes only. And look, that said, I don't care how long someone has been in the in the profession. No one can predict the market. No one. And, you know, if we could, we would we would be multi-billionaires. Um, no one can predict the market. And if you look at uh, people who have been very successful in real estate, for the most part, they're playing the long game. They're not looking for quick gains. They're not looking to time the market. They are looking to hold. So like I said, if you bought in 2013, yeah, prices were up from where they were in 2012, but it was a great time to buy. And if you bought in 2013, you'd be sitting really well right now, um, almost certainly having uh, would have equity in your home. So 2013, a lot of predictions, hey, it's time to sell. Well, you know what? It ended up being a great time to buy. So don't worry so much about predicting the market or trying to time the market. No one can predict the market. Generally speaking, real estate tends to trend up. So it tends to be a very safe investment over the long term. In fact, if you bought in 2006, you know, at the, the peak of the bubble, um, it would have taken a while, but you should have recovered by now. You know, it, it again, prices not quite back to 2006 levels, but if you had a little bit of equity in the home, you know, unless you were doing like an interest only mortgage or um, you somehow finance 100%, if you had some equity in the home, you should have recovered by now.
So and and we're taking the most extreme example just to point out that hey look even if you bought when prices were super high, um, you know like I said overall real estate tends to be a very good investment. I like it; it's tangible uh, compared to you know the stock market where I don't have any control over that. Um, real estate is tangible; you can make improvements on your home to increase the value of the property or to build value into the property. I, you know, overall, I think it's a great investment. Okay, let's get on to pro tips. All right, so I was teasing earlier uh, in the podcast that uh, there is another source of information you can rely upon, not just a home inspection, but another source of information you can rely on if you are purchasing a home to shed some light on the history of that house. Now, if you follow my blog uh, or you've... Um, Heard me, you know, if you've listened to some of the other podcasts, you know that I'm really, really bullish on home inspections. Even if you're paying cash for a house, definitely get a home inspection. It's for what you're spending uh, on the inspection there, depending on the size of the property and your region, um, they usually run anywhere from $300 to $550. Uh, considering the price of the house, it is definitely worth it. Uh, we'll do a whole separate podcast on home inspections. They're that important, but uh, like I said, I'm very bullish on home inspections. But there is another report that you can get, and you're not going to get it from a realtor. You're going to get it from your insurance agent, and it's called a clue report. And that's clue, just like Blue's Clues, you know, C-L-U-E, and it stands for Comprehensive Loss Underwriting Exchange. Think of the way that uh, credit bureaus share your uh, your credit history with each other, and it's kind of the same idea, and it's insurance companies that share claim information uh, with each other. So if um, someone has uh, a home that, uh, you know, they uh, let's say they have some uh, flood damage in the house or is a broken pipe, and they have some flood damage in the house, and they file a claim with their insurance company, if the insurance company covers that, uh, covers that claim, they keep a record of that claim. And if that homeowner then cancels that insurance company or they move on to another insurance company or whatever, there's still a history of that claim that goes along with the house and that's kept in that clue report. So it doesn't matter how many times a person has moved around to different insurance companies or if they've had the same insurance company for 15 years, if they have filed a claim on the house, that will show up in that clue report. And you can get a copy from your insurance agent. Um, some of them will charge you a nominal fee, you know, usually about um, $40, $50 uh, for a clue report. But uh, if you've been with your agent for a long time, take advantage, give them a call, say, hey, look, I'm looking at a new home. Uh, are you able to do a clue report? Uh, I actually had one client, he um, contacted his insurance agent just to let him know that, uh, hey, I need to get insurance on, on the new house. And his agent went ahead and did the clue report for him um, without being asked and just provided it to him. And what a great service, um, you know, that this agent uh, went ahead and did that. But uh, in any case, the clue report can shed some light for you. In this particular case, uh, we found out that, yeah, there actually was some flood damage. They had a leak in a, a leaky valve in the laundry room and it, it caused some drywall damage. It was not disclosed 
in the um, in the seller's real property disclosure. And, uh, you know, the seller was like, oh, we forgot. So they went ahead and amended the report. It wasn't a deal breaker. I mean, the drywall had been replaced, but at least my buyers were able to make an informed uh, an informed decision and uh, and move forward with it. And if you're a seller, yeah, you absolutely, absolutely want to have all of that disclosed um, up front. You don't want somebody coming back later on and saying, hey, look, you tried to dupe me. You didn't tell me about this or, you know, whatever. So Clue Report, um, C-L-U-E. Clue report, you can get it from your insurance agent. Um, it's a great uh, additional piece of information to have. So definitely do a home inspection and then follow that up with a clue report. You can order them at the same time and make a more informed decision. So that's it that on pro tips for today. I hope you found that useful and I hope you're finding the podcast useful. I would love to connect with you on social. You can find me, Welcome Home LV. That's Welcome Home LV as in Las Vegas. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, as well as LinkedIn. You can also uh, visit the website at, uh, not out Welcome Home, uh, www.welcomehomelv.com. And on the website, you'll find my blog, which uh, we've provided for your reading enjoyment. Uh, The blog actually complements the podcast and vice versa. I hope you find them both useful. All right, that's it for me. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. I'm Mike Duran, and this is Real Estate for the Rest of Us. (music) 